Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Deanna Minnick. Welcome to the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast, where we explore how you can get some more color, creativity, and healing in your everyday life. We get to look at the spectrum of eating, living, feeling, and creating that you're all about. So let's dive into the inspiration and information rainbow that awaits us. Hi, everybody. Dr. Deanna here. You're really going to enjoy this podcast that I did with Rainbow Mars. Don't you love her name? I mean, if you remember from my first podcast when I was little, I always wanted to be called Star Rainbow. And so it's kind of nice that she's got this beautiful name and it fits her beautiful personality and who she is. In this podcast, we're going to go all over the place. We're going to connect the dots. It's going to seem like we are talking about many fragmented things, but if you zoom out, you're going to see how everything is very interrelated, talking about everything from sacred sexuality to talking about natural medicine, plants, the kidneys. My goodness, she even gives you a breathing exercise that I know that you're going to love. So see what you think. She's um, incredibly charismatic and full of grace, full of wisdom. I think you're going to love this. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast. Today, my guest is Rainbow Mars. What a perfect name for this show, right? You know, I I really want to dive into the story of her name. But first of all, welcome, Rainbow. Thanks for being on the podcast with me. Thank you so much for having me, and I love the topic and the subject. Fabulous. (laughs) It fits. It's like everything is aligned here, right, in talking with you. I know that you're very much on the same wavelength, so to speak. So Mm -hmm. one of the first questions I want to ask you is something that I ask everybody on the podcast, and it's, you know, it's one of those questions that I just love to know the answer to, and it's, what is your favorite color? I think of green. It's so hard to choose. It's like choosing a a kid. (laughs) I know. My name is Rainbow. So, but yeah, I love green and I also resonate with purple. You know, that is so interesting. I, so many people that I've talked with love those two colors specifically. Mm. Oftentimes red and blue will enter in, but the people I seem to talk with seem to like the color green. And I'm just kind of curious, why, why do you think that is? Why do you think green resonates so much for so many people? I mean, it's, it's obviously the color of healing is, it's, the heart, it's the breath, it's like all of the, you know, Mother Nature has so much green. She has more of that than anything else, it seems, you know. So I just, I think that I'm always wanting to get into that, that vibration. Exactly. So maybe I like to look at green, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I just was kind of <laughs> curious what you thought. And because, yeah. you know, you're such an earth advocate. So I was thinking that, you know, the connection to the earth. And like you said, out of all of the fruits and vegetables and things that we can eat in nature, there's just so much green. I don't think that anybody can really miss green in their diets because it's everywhere. (laughs) You you know, it's um, sometimes if we're attention and have turned on the news, we are aware of the power of nature. And if we think that there's not a healing remedy for anything that we're going through, then we're not opening our eyes because we, you know, the the strength and forces that are all around us, even at our feet are so obvious, but look around and mother nature will tell us what we should eat the most of. But then of course there's the entire spectrum and there's medicines for everything. So it's pretty, it's a pretty incredible relationship that we have at, as our birthright. 
Absolutely. Very well said. And I do want to dip into your advocacy for the planet, and we're going to get into that. But before we do, Mm -hmm. I love the story of your name, and I can't overlook that considering that we're talking about color on this podcast. So how did you get the name that I always wanted? Rainbow, okay. Tell tell the story uh, about your mom because I love this. It's so it just brings a smile to my face. Well, a lot of people know that my mom is an herbalist and you know has many books on natural medicine. What they don't know is that she was raised in a very conservative environment. She actually went to Miss Hall School for young ladies and had a very proper and prestigious oh parents, which to me makes it funnier. And um, you're like, oh my god. Did you know that? You didn't <laughs> I know. didn't know that. That's so, another feature to the story. Wow. Yeah. So the first time I might be ever revealing this is that when she got kicked out of boarding school a month before using the green plant that Summer Bliss advocate, the, the marijuana plant, her father was very upset about that. And I think she ran away from home. And somehow in this journey where she lived with a tribe of hippies, and I don't mean to go to, she decided she was on a plane and she decided that a rainbow would be a wonderful name for her child, her second born child. And they were living on a commune in Missouri and they, they had a house, a beautiful stained glass house, but they also had a teepee. There were friends like Yoko Ono and Timothy Leary. And, um, but somehow she realized she had created some drama and a week before she had me, she thought, okay, I'm naming my kid, Melissa. I've gone too far. I'm going to go home and tell my parents they were right. And I was born in a thunderstorm in the middle of, you know, this this great moment, again, in a teepee on the floor on purple satin sheets. And after I was born, there was a huge double rainbow in the sky. And to her and all this this community of hippies on in Missouri, Reynolds, Missouri, they really thought it was a sign from the angels. And she went forward, naming me Rainbow Harmony Mars. And as, as embarrassing as that was in my high school years, pretending my name was Jennifer Smith, I have finally embraced it. <laughs> And I have I, I stand with it. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. I did not know that you went by Jennifer Smith, kind of undercover. How yeah, I mean, come, what about yeah. the spelling? Because it's Rainbow with B E A U instead of B O W. So how did that happen? Was it just kind of that nice creative twist? No, I mean, by, on my birth certificate, it's B O W. To be honest, I changed it B E A U at one point. My mom is French, so I do speak French. So it was a kind of a natural. Um, way to shift it and not and make it a little more unique, but that was a that was my own doing. I didn't obviously in school they didn't think I was Jennifer, but if I met new people, I just didn't want to say my name is Rainbow. Oh, where's the pot of gold? Or how many colors? Or where's the skittles? You know all these comeback lines. I just was oh, like, I'm sure you know. you've heard it all. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious. You know, what is your take on color? Are you really connected into color in the true sense of of a rainbow and just really, like, I don't know, just wearing colors, being surrounded by colors? Is that something that's always been a part of your life, or you know, you kind of get color, but you're not as immersed as maybe some other people are? Yeah. I mean, I remember being like a young girl and my mom um, teaching me how to become more psychic and like blindfolding me and I'd have to, we'd have to touch the colors like these felt and we would guess what color they were. And I was actually had like a 90% accuracy. And so I remember being able to feel the color. And I also remember, um, being in Aspen, Colorado, and I think I was like four and a half and my, my parents were doing some psychedelic experience in the mountains. And I literally could see like a rainbow, like a double rainbow around my mom. 
And she always makes sure to tell people that they did not feed me the mushrooms, but I saw it and they were the ones in this, you know, uh, prayer to Mother Earth, I guess, at this moment. So I always saw colors and rainbows and I saw auras around people. And then I think as I became into my teenage years and actually sedated myself and maybe got filled with more ego, I lost some of those natural abilities. But we all you know, we're all that we know that we're living like 3% of our consciousness and that we're very fragmented. So there is so much more capabilities that we actually have if we can get out of our own way and, and learn to enhance our abilities. Wow. Uh, you said a lot right there. You know, uh, I mean, I love everything what you said from feeling color, getting inside and really honing our abilities um, so I'm just kind of curious, you know, throughout your whole life, because you had quite a journey. I just happen to know a little bit more about you because we spoke before at the Detox Summit. But, you know, you had a little bit of a rocky teenage period, right, where, you know, you did your own exploration, kind of away from your mom, and you, you went into other things. You know, how did you eventually circle back into health and healing? Because it, it, it always feels like, you know, my mom was kind of this health nut person and I was really polarized to health and really wanted to have nothing to do with it. And now here I am in my 40s, like everything I do is about health. So were you always into health or did you kind of have your own path where, you know, you, you didn't really follow on from your mom? You, you forged your own path, you you created your own friends and such, and, and really had your own unique imprint in that way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I am a product of the hippie movement. I was raised with seeing, you know, parties that my mom would have herbalists staying in our house and they'd be sleeping in the tent in the backyard. So I was, I was really seeing both the goodness and the magical qualities they had to heal and they knew a lot about the plant kingdom but obviously when you're growing up you just want to be normal so I was the most preppy I was voted best dressed class you know most popular when I actually got nominated for homecoming queen I did not want to be it because I didn't want to have to drive around the football field with like my mom um, and the fairy dress and my dad with like the John Lennon glasses and hair down his back I mean I so I had like extreme embarrassment I would come home with the captain of the football team and they'd be like why is all your friends hair so short um so I'm 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 the product of like this heel you know you guys like wear a suit I would threaten to call the police a couple times on them um I just I hope my mom might know but let me just say that my mom is a master and when she um when I needed allowance money she would go have me tell her whatever plants were on the block and three uses and their Latin name. And that's how I could get my allowance money. So she was, I don't want to like disregard that, but what I was, the reason why I found my own path is because yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't ask to be that. I didn't study natural medicine. It was just part of my upbringing. I, um, my godmother is an Ayurvedic doctor. So living with her in Hawaii was really helpful because I learned about the yoga sister sciences and I left for some of the reasons I I could tell you. And yes, there was um, imperfections in the qualities that they had. I can't, I would have maybe liked my parents to be a little more strict and a little more able to teach me about some scientific aspects of virtue and, and structure. And so I had to sort of um, really lose myself in a way to find my own path in a sense of, I didn't know, I wasn't really seeking God or healing healing modalities, but I was seeking peace. And I think that I, I want to say the word pink spirituality and that we might 
that have really good intentions. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, it's all love. It's all God, baby. And like, why are you so uptight? And I've seen a lot of this right now in the, the yoga communities and the festivals where that's not a lot of the wounds that people have from the movement of free love is something that people have to spend like years um, in therapy for. And like, and I don't know if I just went on off book, but I'll tell you that I found yoga and natural medicine and, and like remembered I had to heal myself from whatever sort of rebellions I went to. If my mom said pot was okay, that meant that I did alcohol and cocaine as a teenager. Um, by the time I was 19, I stopped doing all chemicals. I found yoga. I had to find that which I had hid inside myself. And I had to, you know, do essential oils or flower essences and read books and realize I had to be in my body for my entire life. And I continued to act and, and be a spokesperson in some ways. But I realized that people didn't know what to do for a bladder infection or for, you know, you you, know, you name it, kidneys and, and headaches, and I was able to serve and support. And then whenever we're serving and supporting, it always opens that channel up to receiving. So as I could be in service, all of a sudden, you know, push back and where I'm looking through my past life, it's amazing to me that, yeah, I've had an incredible career so far, but I feel like I'm just getting started in wanting people to know that there's options. Um, I'm, I'm actually working on a book. I don't want to say the title right now because it's a really good title, but it's it's important that we have options. And I'm a little saddened that so many people, when they do get sick, they might go into the hospital, which you you know you do. And these doctors are great at certain things, but they're not not given options. It's like okay, let's cut this out and take this drug. And we need to know that there are an array of options and how to look to the root and how to really heal. And if we can heal from the spiritual body, then that can have an effect on the emotional, psychological, and the physical body. And so, you know, I, I, I guess my name Rainbow Works. And I, I don't wear a lot of multicolored things. Just to go back, I tend to wear one color at a time, but I do love color. <laughs> yeah, you sure do. One of the things I really like about you is that you've maintained, I mean, just even listening to your story, you're realistic, you're grounded. I like what you said about serving and supporting and so it's almost like you became a little bit of the opposite of your mom in, in some ways, of, of how she was very expansive, you know, just this whole hippie free love movement. And you're like, okay, let's kind of like hit the ground running. And, you know, the fact that you went into yoga, you went into more of the science of the body, I find really intriguing. So I want to ask you this question based on some of the things that you were saying which you mentioned pink spirituality, free love, and kind of healing from all of that. Do you kind of feel like sometimes the spiritual movement that has emerged, do you feel like there's too much in the way of this happyology or that people are kind of glossing over the realistic issues that we really need to get in there and tackle? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've i never said this publicly, but I'm just going to um, say something that I learned recently or a few years ago. The peace sign if you draw it, is actually an inverted cross. It's actually an upside down cross. And I think there was a lot of intention, good intentions in that movement, but there was this whole wave of things that actually devolved us. And what you'll find now with the sex, drugs, and rock and roll era is that's replaced um, now, you know, sex, drugs, and kirtan or sex, drugs, and yoga. And we'll find that, oh, it's all good, no labels, where it's me that's uptight, you know, I've got to eradicate that. And there is something 
really virtuous and grounded about having, for instance, one partner that you are that you can trust and what can blossom out of a you know sacred sexuality and the healing that can happen when there are the basic fundamentals of virtue, integrity, honesty, let's say even scientific chastity, love, compassion, you know, we want to bloom forth more virtues. And even though we could go into food or plants or natural medicine, the real issue, the Buddhists say that I study is we have these 84,000 egos or the yogi, the yogi say the six enemies. Dante says the seven deadly sins and those things need to be discovered and looked at. And yes, some of this philosophy of embracing all rather than deciphering the difference between what is a correct uh, path can kind of bring us all over the place and people can find themselves spinning their wheels and not making progress. And I can tell you personally that I was at a high level of success. And until I started studying uh, something different in my, for instance, my sexual practice, it I, there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of, I was being audited. I was in a custody battle for my daughter and I had to really look go back and think why did I make some of these choices and as I was able to discover this I was able to heal and I am not dealing with those that same suffering so I will just let you guys know from experience that you know pain is inevitable but suffering is not and there are ways some of what the virtue that we learn and the structure um, in efficacy or morals are really good values that we should have and we should share with our children and we're never going to be able to share them with our children unless we are practicing them ourselves and I think we can get lost in the in a lot of the psychological oh it's all God it's all good and there is there is God and then there is the ego if it was all God why would we be in a state of you know two people threatening to blow each other up and infecting millions of people like the the missile crisis and the suffering inside when you're part of a sex trade industry, the people that are in sex trade industry, they don't even know it's a problem. So there's a lot of suffering on our planet from the, the macro to the micro. And I feel that there needs to be a, a correction that has to come from the inside. It's a psychological correction, plants and food and uh, life changes can help with that. But we need to relook, and that's what I've been spending definitely the last nine years doing. But I have I have made some progress. <laughs> it's exciting. No, kudos to you. I mean, that's really you've been, um, you know, the depth of your journey is is really profound, and I I I really congratulate you on that because, like you said, I mean just being in the company of um, so much in the way of the the film industry, acting and advertising, I mean, really being at the pinnacle of everything. And you're saying, you know, wait a minute, I'm going to live a more sacred life. And that's mm -hmm. not something that you typically see in those industries. And so I think, you know, it's, it's really commendable. I want you to talk about something that probably I won't have a discussion with on any other podcast, but I know that you can go there. I want to talk about sexuality because it's mm -hmm. kind of the topic that, um, gosh, you know, I feel like we, I grew up Catholic, right? So I, mm -hmm. I came from completely um, a very different background. So mm -hmm. my parents were very strict, not expansive, and there was no talk of sexuality. And so, you know, when, when a lot of people come from those 
origins of not talking about sex, you know, what is right sexuality, what is sacred sexuality, I want us to have an open conversation about it. I, I want you to talk about, you know, just even practices or what does this mean or how do we be these sacred sexual beings in everyday life? And because I do think that that is what leads us to more color and more flow. So maybe you can wax on that for us. Yeah, I'm looking at this sacred symbol in front of me, and it's called an ankh. And if you look up ankh in Egyptian, <coughs> in you know the Egyptian tradition, you'll find that it means the everlasting life. And we would think that the ankh is us. I was recently just in Egypt. Like if we were a cross, like a cross also would be us, or the ankh would be a good version of a cross for us. And if you go into the higher, you see the hieroglyphs of what's on the walls, there's depictions of the gods sharing with the kings and queens through the work of the ankh or the hook. They're, share, they're sharing about sexual uh, magic, really, which is using sexuality to awaken and enlighten us and to heal us. So this is in the temples of India. It's in the sacred temples of Bali as well. They have um, tantric temples. So let me explain. There's three types of tantras. There's the black tantra where they might use chanting and the name of God for maybe their own purposes. These are people that, that think of multiple different partners, maybe picturing multiple different people in their lives. And in that type of practice, you might gain certain superpowers, um, but you would lose other ones. And there's gray tantra where they you, be, you choose one person where you choose to be in a sanctified relationship and you're committed and maybe you have a marriage, but it's choosing one. But there might be practices within that that might not be sacred. Would you do it in a temple? And then finally, there's white tantra where you are committed to one person. And tantra means, let me just say, to weave together or to yoke or to integrate. And in white tantra, you're with that one person, but there's practices that you can do to help use the sacred energy of sexuality to heal, invigorate. It could be a practice of longevity. And let me just go through one of these things that I do every day is contracting the perineum, uh, bringing my tongue to the palate, and then inhaling, bringing the breath up my entire spine. And I'm just going to take an inhale. And so I'm bringing the breath up my spine, up through the crown of my head. And then as I exhale, I release release that contraction, I bring the chin up and I plant that breath into my heart. And so another way of doing that would be to contract the perineum, inhale up the breath all the way up through the spine. And then as you exhale, it comes around your head like a halo, plants in the heart. And then you take another inhale and it comes across the, through the chest. So this is a way in essence, sexuality is the most incredible energy on our planet we know that for sure we know because it sells so well you look at every billboard every magazine and what I would invite us to remember is that there is an option of sacred sexuality that can re uh, nourish our kidneys our liver our our heart our brain just by that breath that I just did I do it at nine, nine times at a time anytime I feel a sense of like lust Instead of releasing that sexual energy and spasming it and actually draining the essence in the vital organs, then you actually draw it up. Got it. Yeah. I so like anyway, there's much more to that. But I would just say that this, these practices can help us awaken every 
spinal column of the body is a different temple. And so the other practices that are happening on the planet is often um, feeding more uh, infidelity, more anger, more confusion, more jealousy, et cetera, et cetera. Go on. Sorry. No, this is fantastic. I love how you just walked us through that. I was doing it at the same time that you were explaining it. So, I mean, without having to go through and start studying Tantra and engage and are there just some simple things that we can do to be a more sacred sexual person in our everyday lives? Like what are just some very, I mean, you're such a practical person, so I know that you can give us just some like basic steps to get started. Do we just start with the breath? I mean, what are just some, some easy things we can do? Yeah, like you know, you can be by yourself. You don't need to be with a partner. And those nine breaths that you that I just taught, one of them are some options that you could do to do those nine times in the morning and nine times at night would be a great way to use the sexual energy is a gift to us, and to use that to it's a great beauty recipe. It makes your eyes glow. It opens the heart. So to actually practice that every day would be great. This it's called sublimation. And then as far as other practices, the kidney are really fueling a lot of our sexual energy. They need to be strong. If they're depleted with a lot of coffee or um, cake or whatever, we're going to feel that we have less sexual energy. So rubbing your kidneys, for instance, up and down, I do it 36 times in the morning. I like to add uh, frankincense to them and just really nourish the kidneys. Eating black foods are really good for tonifying our adrenals and uh, our longevity. Also eating fruit and the fruits are like the sexual organs of plants so eating fruits or fruit these types of things with a lot of seeds are all good for our sexual vitality but then to make it sacred you just have to really say you know that which I anyone who I would um you know anyone who I'm going to be in relationship with in any level I'm going to take on the karmas of everything from them and then everything one that they've ever been with so I would just say like just like you might not eat um you know, are you going to eat something that's going to go with you that you know is going to make you sick or addicted? Why do we do that in relationships? So love our, love yourself enough to choose a dharmic partner. You know, write down a list. If you are going to be in a partnership, write down a list of the qualities that are going to help you become more of who you really are, more awake, and then opt to create a place of sacred sexuality. And even if you don't know some of the practices yet, it's about choosing to be a, a gift for humanity, like a, a channel for the divine. And by taking that energy and drawing it up, we can actually awaken ourselves instead of have tails and continue to be demons, which basically is what happened to me. I didn't know I had a tail before. So um, I went through a transformational process through this work where I was able to clear my etheric tail, as funny as that sounds, but it's you know, we have to decide which who we're serving really. Are we serving the light or are we serving our own egos? So, yes. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I just want to back up here. I was taking some notes on what you were saying there. Let's just go back into coffee because that is just such a hot button for so many people. I get asked that question all the time. You do cleanses. You do detoxes with people. Talk about coffee and the kidneys. Let's just go back to that element of vitality, just something basic in everybody's life. Yeah, I mean, if we're depleting, our kidneys are the engine of our body. They're the up, they're also part of our every breath. Like the lungs are part of the breath, but the kidneys are the other half. So if our kidneys and our adrenals are constantly being jacked, and I'm just going to say this, if we're also losing our seed 
through ejaculation or spasm, that's also like could be millions of babies. So this is a depletion in every sense of our vital organs. Okay, going back to coffee, I know that's what you asked me. Coffee is like a rude awakening. You know, you wake up and you get jacked and you put some sort of battery acid, even if it's organic, it's been, you know, roasted. Hopefully it is organic if you're drinking coffee. Um, and you know, there's not the 154 chemicals that they normally spray on that becomes toxic to our immune system. But if we're constantly taking from our adrenals to get a false sense of energy, then that's what happens. Why do we think Viagra is the, one of the number one drugs in the world? So it's what do we do to sustain our sexual longevity forever so that we, ha that we have it? That's the source of it is the kidney. So we want to keep our kidney strong. Eating black beans could be good. I drink yerba mate instead of chocolate or maybe reishi, or I'm sorry, instead of coffee or maybe reishi, chocolate cappuccinos. Um, there's many things that you can drink that can give you a little bit of energy, but not deplete and be like extra, extra hard on our kidneys and our adrenals. That's great. So yerba mate. So you're saying caffeine is okay, just not coffee. Yeah, I think coffee. Coffee is the worst for our kidneys. Um, some caffeine that's more like whole, just like anything, like take cocaine out of the coca leaf and you have a really serious drug that's way too hard on our adrenals and everything else. But actually the coca leaves when with prayer, you know, three at a time is still sacred. So it's just, you know, chocolate might have caffeine in it. Drink a chocolate shake, drink things that are in its whole form. But I often find that the really highly refined roasted and and chemicalized things are just too hard on the system. Yeah. But, you know, altering it by um, nurturing and putting frankincense on the kidneys or some grounding oil that um, often the oils that are good for the kidneys are the ones that have roots into the ground. So maybe sandalwood, cedarwood, vetiver, all these things, along with the sublimation breath that we shared and rubbing the kidneys daily is a really good way to say hello. The kidneys I find so many people don't know where they are. They're underneath the ribs, the back ribs, right below the ribs. And they're like the size of a fist. You know that, of course, but maybe our listeners don't. And the adrenal glands are right there on top of the kidneys, right? So that's what the, the connection is with stress and what you're talking about with cortisol and, you know, jacking yeah. everything up, right? No, and that's also, great. Yeah, and, and they're also connecting adrenal uh disease with the thyroid and so it's the drainage the constantly stressing taking from us using all of our energy and then wanting to replace it and it just it eventually um, creates a lot of disharmony as well in, in our thyroid and the rest of our systems so you just thank you that that was excellent <laughs> really practical and i love how you make the connection between the physical and the spiritual elements of eating i think it's so essential if we zoom on out for a second and we say okay if we look at the state of chronic disease and where people are at these days, I mean, we're just in dire straits. I mean, the rise of obesity, the rise of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular issues, cancer, I mean, it's just all going up. Is it really any surprise that we're having issues on the planet? I want you to go bigger now into talking about what you see as what we can all do as individuals for this earth, because here we are just had an earthquake in Mexico City yesterday. We just had two hurricanes, now on the verge of another one. I mean, something is really happening here. This is not in our imagination that, you know, just, oh, it's just, you know, this always happens. No, I, I do think we're, we're really at this, this breaking point. So talk more now, now that we've zoomed into the body, we talked about some of the physical things. Go spiritual and talk more about 
What's going on on the planet? How does the planet connect mm -hmm. to us and what can we do? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it's a direct connection, absolutely, uh, with what is happening inside us and what is happening on the planet. And I think that we have fallen to a point where we've created our own very, very false paradises, whether, you know, the amount of people that are like sex slaves on this planet or the level of greed and corruption that are on this planet, you know, it, you can't keep creating uh, things against divinity or creation and expect to be living in a perfect situation. So what I, I don't, although I feel my heart goes out to all of the, the people that are experiencing really big hardships in Mexico or Houston, all over the world, you know, Puerto Rico, I really have so much compassion. I, um, what I, what I love about this moment is just who's in charge and who was always in charge is something so much bigger than us. Like there is, Mother Nature is a force beyond us. And when we all, oh, we need to take care of our mother. Yeah, like she could, she, unfortunately, if you have an earthquake, it might be hard for her to, uh, you know, pull the person out that's on their knees praying every day. What we need to do internally, all of us, and this is what, you know, all the scientists have been saying for a long time, like the heat is, is you know, we're taking from the earth. The fracking is probably creating some of the earthquakes. We continue to take the blood out of our mother and we don't always consider how to give back. And right now our oceans are 20% acid. They're gonna be 100% acid in 20 years. The solution isn't giving back. The solution is in regener soil regeneration projects. That means composting. That means getting on our knees and considering, you know, if it, we all have a mother and our mother gave us a lot of resources. And if we never once said, thank you mom for, you know, sending me to school and for nursing me and driving me to, you know, all of these things and for helping me and changing my diapers, how would the mom feel at this point? So here we are part of this abundant planet who has given us all the medicine, all the nutrients, all the food, all the love and all the support that we could possibly be given. And very rarely do we get on our knees and say, thank you, great spirit. Thank you, rain. Thank you, sun, you know, thank you for gravity. Thank you for all of these nutrients. Very rarely do we take our, our banana peel and bury it un underneath the earth and give it to the worms and give it to the micronutrients. So the individual process is to get out of our way and to learn to be serving, to be doing, like to be serving every day. And if 10% of the population can do that, I really, if 10% of the population could really do soil regeneration, for instance, the statistics are is that the oceans will not turn acid. Um, right now, there's not more carbon in the air than there or in the planet than there was ever. It's just that we have fracked it and pulled it out of the ground and put it in the air. And that's, that's creating acidification on the planet. So what we need to do is we need to respect we need to rectify, we need to get on our knees and pray and pray that any anger, any greed, any part of our unconsciousness that is only taken uh, has is, is dissolved and we learn how to heal. And I believe that if, if it was 10% of us, which is 700 million, not a, not a hard job, right? We can do it together. And even if it's 5%, but we have to start somewhere like don't, it's not the time to get depressed and fall asleep. It is, and it's not also the time to get angry and to curse and sort of violent, but it is the time for us to, you know, going back to the analogy to get, to go to our mother and go, oh my God, I see what I've done. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. And just pray, 
we need to be praying and we need to look at the destruction that we see outside of ourselves and where it is within. And as we dissolve, one thing we can do um, really quickly is if we pray every day and we do that, um, that nine of the sublimation breaths, I like to visualize myself in a temple of water and, and then in a temple of fire and then nine more sublimation breaths. And as I am in the temples, I pray that whatever two major egos of mine, maybe I'm angry or afraid or anxious, two at a time, I just pray to the mother and I say, thank you for helping to remove any shadow seeds or roots of this negative attributes of my psyche. Please get it out of me so that I can work for you. And that's totally like a personal, very, it might sound hippy dippy, but it's a real thing that I believe a thousand percent. If, if, if the great spirit and the mother and father saw their children returning to their hearts and want wanting to do that, their work and wanting to serve that there could be a shift on the planet. You know, some of the themes that I am getting based on what you're saying that we really need to get into is gratitude, service, humility, and this word children. I really feel like instead of thinking like we're in charge, being more respectful. And, and these are just all how we live our lives, right? It's not even anything that we have to do. It's just what we need to be and what we need to bring up to the surface. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. That's, that's wonderful. And prayer, of course. I like what you mentioned about prayer because it does bring in that element of gratitude and humility combined. I mean, yeah. I mean, just real simply, at least pray when you're eating you know, at least three times a day. Thank you, mother. Thank you for the blessings of this food. Like pray. And the, the Incans, the Caro people, which are, you know, the descendants of the Incans, they pr say pray all day long. Pray to the mountain range around you. So there are actually living masters in these mountains and they have the ability to help us. But if we don't acknowledge them, if we don't acknowledge the spirit of water and the spirit of earth and the spirit of fire, we are kind of really disconnected and we're in our very I self. So we do need to acknowledge the, the elementals. And if we as, as humanity could do that, they're really, I mean, I've, I've watched it with my own eyes. One woman that I work with this Incan priestess and she, when she does a prayer for to mother earth, it rains, you know, we are capable of so much and we forget. So may we awaken to that if we get out of the own, our own way and pray to what is possible. It's more than just like a, it's not just a little thing. So together we can change. <laughs> what I love about all these podcasts is that I end up leaving so inspired. Like right now I'm looking out the window and I live in a, a small forest area and I'm looking at the trees and I come into my office and I'm looking at them every day and I have this relationship with them. And now I even feel like amping it up. I mean, I really, you know, mm. it's just simple things that we can do. We can compost, you know, even if we just have a small area, there, there's always something that we can do to be better serving of the planet, which means that we're helping ourselves and everybody else here. Rainbow, mm -hmm. this has been fantastic. <laughs> You're a beautiful person inside and out. And what I, again, what I really love about you is the fact that you can bring together the physical and the practical and the sacred and the spiritual. Mm. So why don't you tell everybody what you're up to, how they can find you. Give us a, a thumbnail on all your latest and greatest. Well, the, the best way, I mean, I'm doing bigger things like, like TV projects, but what I'm the way that I'm really love serving is a one-on-one -on -one or small groups or bigger groups. So, you know, if you want a wellness consultation, me or one of my team members can help serve you in that. Like I, I actually am really passionate about knowing people's like what's going on, stress, 
energy, stress, breakups, like health, like how can we support you one-on-one? I feel like, um, I, so anyway, so yeah, we're at info. I at rainbowmars.com. If we ever can support you with a wellness consultation, I've been, I'm teaching definitely bigger classes and bigger events. And I do classes at on Saturdays and I'm doing something at a big, um, three-story building in, up downtown, downtown LA. And I'm all, I'm all over for the event sake, but really I want you to know that I'm here in service and I'm growing a group of incredible leaders. And I do teacher trainings. We have one coming up in April to really be the bridge between earth to heaven. (laughs) No, I like, I am not, I'm not a teacher of a lot of stuff. I'm actually a student in a bunch, but I do finally feel like I've come into a place where I have some teachings that not everyone has. And I hope to really plant and serve and, and not be, not have followers, but help create leaders. And if that's something you're interested, there's that. And then if you're also interested in just us supporting your own, your own health and wellness, we do that as well. Oh my goodness. Fantastic. This is great. And I, I can even say just over these past three years, you've, I mean, again, the depth and, and where you've been, um, it's, it's phenomenal. Hmm, thank you. Oh, and, oh, and I, yeah, sorry. And, and in case my name isn't spelled right, I also have an ebook you can get or video downloads and that's all on www.raienbeaumarslifestyles.com. So we have all sorts of content to support you if that's all you want. Too. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, lots of tools. All in great service. So thanks again, Rainbow. I feel like we we covered a lot of ground here. Everything from <laughs> sexuality to black foods to caffeine to um goodness, this this breath that you this exercise that you've given us, talking about our kidneys, talking about mother nature. I I feel that some people could say like, wow, that, that those are seemingly disparate things, but they're really all connected as we can all see. So thank you so very much for being a part of the show. My pleasure, my honor, my privilege, and thank you so much for having me. My heart is also really just, I feel so grateful to be able to be here and talk with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.